From Australia, this is the Wireless Institute of Australia with the weekly news service. This broadcast is in text, audio and video and is accessed on wia.org.au. Yes, it certainly is the national news. It's for week commencing November 21, 2021 and I'm Graham VK for Baker Baker. When is a tower deemed illegal? Amateur radio organisations promoting youth activities and leadership around the world. I'm just burning doing the Neutron Dance. VK4JJW bops in with yet another weird and wonderful. Peel Amateur Radio Group's 80 metre slow CW corroboree is upcoming fast, and so is Mark. Do you have a spare 113,000 Aussie dollars? In Rewind, an item well worth every shekel. But before that, an interesting item bobbed up on the newsroom waterfall this week. A note in from the WWV WWVH Scientific Modulation Working Group. WWV WWVH, of course, being the what is commonly referred to as the time stations. For a good time, call five 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 four WWV. NIST is participating in a new project to study the ionosphere and its effects on HF radio propagation. As part of the WWV-WWVH Scientific Modulation Working Group, the radio stations, WWV-WWVH, will each broadcast test signals once per hour that will allow operators using a type of software-defined radio to record the signal data at their location, then upload it to a central server for analysis. The test signals will initially consist of several seconds each of Gaussian white noise, chirps varying up and down in frequency, and tones varying in amplitude, frequency and length. This initial test will help characterise transmitting and receiving equipment and configurations and may be useful in determining the time of flight measurements of the transmitted signals. The signals will be sent at 8 minutes past each hour on WWV and 48 minutes past each hour on WWVH. The project is coordinated by our good friends at Hamsky, the Ham Radio Citizen Science Investigation, and includes representatives from the University of Scranton, Case Western Reserve University, MIT Haystack Observatory, University of Alabama, New Jersey Institute of Technology, TAPA and WWV Amateur Radio Club. And of course, it also includes us, interested amateur radio operators and others interested in citizen science. This is Oscar Piki3TX for WA National News. Amateur radio organizations promoting youth activities and leadership around the world. Contests are a good way to promote amateur radio with newcomers and young people. If your club has young operators, please consider inviting them to participate in contesting activities carried out by your team or club station. Help them to get on air individually or from a club station as a multi-operator entry. The most recent strategy for encouraging young operators to be engaged in contesting comes from the CQ Worldwide, which just in its last version in 2021 was very special for young operators because of the new youth category for anyone 25 years old or younger. I'm pretty sure Australia and Oceania will promote similar strategies within the local and regional context. Within IRU regional organizations, some changes are now evident with the election of younger directors who are now sharing leadership roles in an evident generational succession. Amateur radio around the world 
is facing challenges and needs greater engagement through promoting interest in science and technology subjects where amateur radio organizations play a key role. Amateur radio is traditionally seen as a socially and technically conservative hobby that is a weakness for a sustainable future of our community. If you have a leadership role within your club or organization, try to develop strategies to attract the interest of any significant number of women, younger people, or ethnic minorities in taking part of amateur radio activities. This is Oscar Piki3TX for WA National News. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. This week, I take off my hat that says Editor-in-Chief of Amateur Radio Magazine and put on one that says Your Rights as a Ham at Home. The subject of my talk this morning involves aerials, dishes, masts and neighbours. On a Facebook group recently, Facebook, that's social media, supposedly the scourge of modern society, but like the Curateg, good in parts. So, back to my story. I was on this Amateur Radio Facebook group that concentrates on amateur radio in Australia. And one plaintiff group member, otherwise a happy ham, recounted how he'd had a visit from local council officers who turned up on his doorstep following a neighbour's complaint to council about his amateur radio antennas. Said council officers began reciting chapter and verse about the New South Wales State Environmental Planning Policy, known as a SEP, essentially telling him that he could not have any antenna more than 900 millimetres wide or 1.8 metres above the roof. His heart sank, and no wonder, because, as he said, and I quote, that basically rules out anything from HF to VHF. And now unhappy Ham was not sure what to do next, and hence was seeking input from others in the Facebook group who might have also experienced this issue. He had done some homework by searching on the WIA website and found a news item from 2013, authored by yours truly, that covered the subject. But, as he said, he was not sure it went anywhere. Our unhappy ham's plight was drawn to my attention in the usual way. Such things are done on social media. I was tagged in another group member's posting, and I received a notification that I'd been mentioned in dispatches. Accordingly, I looked up our unhappy ham's posting and read his story. So... Were the council officers correct, or was their approach not the whole story? Well, as people are inclined to say on Facebook when explaining whether or not they're in a relationship, it's complicated. Long story short, in New South Wales, the state environmental planning policy covering aerials, antennas, masts and communication dishes includes details on exempt and complying development codes. For an antenna or mast up to 10 metres in height, including whatever may be mounted on the top, and set back from the property boundary by half its height, it is an exempt development. That is, you don't need to get a development application approved by the local council. It is your right to have it there. Back over 2011 through 2013, I orchestrated a campaign to have amateur antennas, aerials, dishes, masts and towers included in exempt development codes in New South Wales. It was successful and remains today. Details of the planning policy can be found on the New South Wales Department of Planning website and the text edition of this broadcast on the WIA website. Perhaps I'll have more to say on this subject in a future broadcast. 
This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. John VK4JJW with a look at the weird and wonderful. Throughout history, people have devised ways to send information across long distances. For centuries, we relied on smoke signals, semaphores and similar physical devices. Electricity changed everything. First the telegraph and then radio transformed communications. Now researchers at the University of Lancaster have demonstrated another way to send wireless data without using electromagnetic radiation. They've harnessed fast neutrons from Californium-252 and modulated them with information with 100% success. The setup was interesting. The radioactive material was encased in a cubic metre steel tank filled with water. A pneumatic system can move the material to one edge of the tank, which allows fast neutrons to escape. A scintillating detector can pick up the increased neutron activity. It seems like it's akin to using what hams call CW, and college professors call OOK, double OK, on off-keying. You can do that with just about anything you can detect. A flashlight, knocking on wood, or, we suppose, neutrons. This is the home service of the Wireless Institute of Australia through VK1WIA. Now, international news with Jason, VK2LAW. Hello. Commencing news from Region 1, the Norwegian Radio Relay League, Norway's national amateur radio organisation, is working with a research institute there to help introduce an entry-level amateur radio category that would become available to operators as young as 12 or 13. Operators would be permitted a maximum transmitting power of 10 watts. The goal is to encourage the newest amateurs to build their own simple transmitters and receivers and spur interest in technology and science to complement their schoolwork. NRRL is working to move this certificate forward with funds provided for the study by the Norwegian Research Council. Norway presently only has one class of radio operators. In news from France, ham radio exam and operator certificate are now free. National Frequency Agency, ANFR, website carries the announcement that the amateur radio exam and the operator certificate will now be free of charge. Participation in the examination for the operator certificate of amateur services, as well as the issuance of this certificate, are now free of charge. This free of charge is applicable from 2021. The terms and conditions of reimbursement of candidates enrolled in a 2021 examination session will soon be specified on the agency's portal. The agency has also said, if you have paid for your examination fee for the amateur radio certificate to ANFR and you are eligible for reimbursement, you'll soon receive a letter detailing the documents to be provided in order to regularise your situation. Space physics professor seeks radio amateurs help in making space physics data audible. Professor Martin Archer of Imperial College London wants to know the best approach to making space physics data audible. Archer is the UK Research and Innovation Stephen Hawking Fellow in Space Physics and Public Engagement and is working in the fields of citizen science and data sonification. Sonification, of course, is the use of non-speech audio to convey information or perceptualise data. He's seeking individuals to complete a survey, the results of which may help him determine the best way to give space physics data a voice. 
In news from Region 2, the York Region Amateur Radio Club, YRARC, celebrates the 100th anniversary of the first transatlantic amateur radio transmission by a Canadian amateur. On the evening of the 9th of December 1921, Edward Rogers Sr. transmitted from the grounds of Pickering College in Newmarket, Ontario, with the call sign of three Bravo Papa, Paul Godley, two Zulu Echo, and other members of the Radio Club of America received his transmission, along with those of several US amateurs in Anderson, Scotland, on a nine-tube superheterodyne receiver on frequencies in the vicinity of 1300 kHz, now part of the AM broadcast band. Rogers used a spark gap transmitter, a type which at the time was being phased out in favour of vacuum tube oscillators. The January 1922 issue of QST noted in the article Transatlantic Tests Succeed that Rogers was the only spark man to be successful. Felix will have more on this story in a moment here on VK1 WIA. And wrapping up this week's international news from Region 3, John Grant, a lecturer in soil science, Southern Cross University in Lismore here in VK, has calculated that the moon's surface, regolith, is made up of approximately 45% oxygen, enough oxygen to support all 8 billion people on Earth for somewhere around 100,000 years. But that oxygen is tightly bound into the minerals that can only be released by electrolysis, which requires a great deal of energy. This process is commonly used in manufacturing, such as to produce aluminium. In this case, the oxygen is produced as a byproduct. On the moon, the oxygen would be the main product and the aluminium, the other metal extracted, would be a potentially useful byproduct. For WIA National News in Sydney, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Now, operational news with Felix, VK4FUQ. Hello there. In operational news today, the DX window, and we'll also hear from Mark VK2KI stroke VK6QI. Spring VHF UHF field days next weekend, November 2728. CQ CW contest, November 2728. December 4 and 5, 160 metres worldwide. December 11 12, 10 metres worldwide. 2022. January, the entire month every year, is the WIA Rosshall VHF UHF Marathon Contest. 0000 hours UTC 1 January, 2.23.59 hours UTC 31st January. WIA VHF UHF Field Days. Summer 2022. 0100 hours UTC Saturday 15 January through 0059 hours UTC Sunday 16 January. Now as we continue operational news, it's off to West Australia and Mark. The Peel Amateur Radio Group in Western Australia continues to promote CW for both newcomers to the art and oldies like me who've uh, let the skill wither on the vine somewhat. The event will be open to all amateurs and shortwave listeners, irrespective of where they call home. So the group uh, will run the three-hour, 80-metre slow CW corroboree on Sunday morning, December the 4th. Times are from 2300 Zulu on December 3rd to 0200 Zulu on December 4th, which is, of course, 7am to 10am WA time or 10am to 1pm Eastern Daylight Time on December the 4th. 
So uh, this event is designated as a corroboree, reflecting its nature as a friendly opportunity to get together and have fun rather than trying to crack any records. So it's a great opportunity for anyone who's thinking about exploring the art of CW to have a go in a safe, simple and mainly fun environment. So SOTA and uh, VKFF folks who'd like to get the best bang for their uh, QRP buck, for instance, might find this useful and it'll also be a great fun, it'll be great fun for CW oldies as well. And you don't have to try to stretch your uh, near vertical incidence uh, 80 metre propagation to, to reach WA at that time. All contacts anywhere will score points, providing you exchange call signs, RSTs and serial numbers. So for details, go to the uh, PARG web- website and click on the What's New page to find the link to the uh, SCW December 21 uh, area. So here you'll find uh, the event guidelines and even a handy-dandy hints page on simple, slow CW QSOs. And by the way, thank you to all who participated in the third uh, PL Amateur Radio Group Slow CW Powwow, which was held in September. Congratulations to both Andrew, VK1DA, for taking out the event and the runner-up, John, VK3BSE. Cheers, and hope to catch you on that Saturday morning. I'm Mark Bosma, VK2KI and VK6QI for the Peel Amateur Radio Group. Thanks, Mark. Now look through the DX window. Mozambique. YL Alvara, IV3FSG, is once again active as C92R from Mozambique until November 30. Usually her activity will be limited to her spare time on 8 of the 10 metres using SSB, RITI and PSK31. She is there working on a project for the Informatici Senza Frontiere, ONLUS. QSL via IK2DUW, direct, by the Bureau or Club Log. Remo HB9SHD will be using the callsign 8Q7RM from the Maldives, IOTA AS013, throughout November. Listen for him on FT8. He will also be using slow CW and SSB on the bands from 6 metres to 40 metres. Send QSLs to his home call, either direct or via the Bureau. Club Logs OQRS and Logbook of the World. Somalia. Ali. EP3CQ is once again active as 60100 from Mogadishu until sometime during the first week in December. Activity has been on 30 metres FT8, FT4. As always, his activity will be limited to his spare time because he works for the UN Department of Safety and Security in Mogadishu. He informed our source, OPDX, that his activity will be on all bands, 80 metres and up, depending on propagation, FT8, CW and SSB. 60100 station is currently the only active and licensed amateur radio station in Somalia. Ali mentioned that he will be leaving for Christmas but it will be back again during the second week of January. If you're after this one, it's suggested to watch QRZ.com. CF3BP is operating from the York region near Toronto until the 12th of December, marking the anniversary of the first transatlantic amateur radio transmission from Canada by Edward Rogers Sr. using the call 3BP. He was one of the few amateurs who successfully transmitted across the Atlantic in an ARRL-sponsored test and the only Canadian to succeed, using a 500-watt spark gap transmitter. 
York Region Amateur Radio Club is celebrating the 100th anniversary of the first transatlantic amateur radio transmission by a Canadian amateur. This took place on the evening of December 9, 1921, by Edward Rogers Sr. using the call sign 3BP from the grounds of Pickering College in Newmarket, Ontario, in the heart of the York Region. At the time, the Pickering College was still shut down following World War I, when it was used as a hospital. By 1927, it was again operating as a boys-only school. Edward Rogers' accomplishment was part of the first successful transatlantic test from North America, sponsored by the American Radio Relay League. Operated by members of the York Region ARC, a schedule is available, where you can also read about this historic event. www.yrarc.org forward slash CF3BP Listen now for the RSGB range call sign GB21 Yota. They have set this call for allocation to youngsters to operate during December. Finally today, big news. Denmark's 40.071 MHz beacon back on the air. At the end of August, the OZ7 IGY 8 meter beacon on 40.071 MHz was turned off because of a faulty trimmer in the power amplifier stage. At the end of October 2021, after replacing the folly part, it was turned back on. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Enningham. This is the home service of the Wireless Institute of Australia through VK1WIA. Now, special interest group news with Bruce VK3FFF. Yes, it is Bruce here, but just ahead of special interest group news, today let's look at ham radio in the media, or as we like to call it, Media Watch. Last Saturday week, 13th of November, the UK's Barry Amateur Radio Society was featured in a program on Channel 4 at 8pm called Britain by Beach. The club was shown doing a recreation of Marconi and Kemp's CW transmissions from Lavernock Point in South Wales. You can watch the episode on the Channel 4 website. And although this Kemp's initial is G, G for George, it is not our editor G for Graham Kemp. Now, special interest group news. Worldwide special interest groups, Final Frontier. Satellite ZSAT was launched November 8th and is a 50-kilogram class infrared observation microsatellite, part of an eight-mission payload that included RAYS-2, DRUMS, a unique debris removal satellite, and four CubeSats that also included NanoDragon and COSEN-1. The ZSAT CW beacon signal on 145.875 MHz contains information such as satellite battery voltage. In light of the successful launch of the ZSAT, all SAT device users need auto-update their devices in order to acquire the new TLE. The International Space Station has performed a short engine burn to avoid potentially hitting a chunk of space junk. The thrusters on Russia's Progress MS-18 transport cargo vehicle, which is docked to the ISS, fired for 361 seconds to perform the small nudge. 
It's now being confirmed that the ISS is safe from a fragment of China's Fengyang 1C weather satellite that was whizzing by. Amateurs using the Aris repeater will want to update their caps following this change in orbit. Worldwide Special Interest Group Military Project ELF The History of Communicating with Submarines Underwater Nestled deep in a national forest in northwest Wisconsin is the small town of Clam Lake. Clam Lake is best known for the excellent hunting and fishing in the area and, of course, the herd of elk that roam the countryside. But the elk population is more of a side effect of a story. At one time, this area was home to a military base and, in fact, World War Three could have been signalled from its location. I'm talking about Project ELF, the Navy's program to send messages to submarines deep underwater. Project ELF, a Cold War relic that still has an impact today. It's worth a visit to the website we have in the text edition to get the story we saw mentioned in qrznow.com. Worldwide special interest groups, Yota, Youngsters on the Air. Norwegian Research Council provides for recruitment of young radio amateurs. Within the framework of its program, Strengthening Children and Young People's Digital Competence and Understanding of Digital Technology, the Research Council of Norway has allocated one MNKR digital currency. That's just over 150,000 Aussie dollars to the project called Radio and Communication Technology for Young People. The project is carried out by NRRL in collaboration with the University of Oslo. And project leader is Tobjorn Scawley, LA4ZCA. The project aims to increase interest in technology and science in schools. The idea is to introduce amateur radio as a kind of freely chosen work in the high school. The project also includes producing an entry-level certificate, a beginner's licence that makes it possible for 12 to 13-year-olds to get started with amateur radio. The proposal for an entry certificate has received broad support in education and public administration in Norway. I'm Bruce, VK3FFF from sunny Bendigo. Rewind. I'm John Knox, VK4FJRK. Today, rewinding to the starting line of the space race. Colin Butler, writing in the ICQ podcast, has found an interesting item for sale. But it is rather expensive. For sale, one is to one scale test model of the satellite Sputnik 1, serial number OK6-1-004-1957. Now, this has a built-in transmitter. It's a polished stainless steel a sphere consisting of two threaded hemispheres of approximately 23 inches in diameter with two pairs of antennae of 95 inches and 105 inches at an angle of 35 degrees to the axis. It's on a stand with an O-ring, stands approximately 59 inches high, stand and model together approximately 79 inches high. Sputnik is accompanied by a Tesla Major 620A radio receiver manufactured in Prague circa 1956. It's in restored working condition, including replacement of the silver zinc battery with a modern alternative and a new metal casing for the electronic transmitter. 
This was built at the Experimental Design Bureau 1 factory, also known as SP Korolev Rocket and Space Corporation Energia. Korolev, Soviet Union in 1957, shortly before the launch of Sputnik 1. An impressive artefact from the dawn of the space age of which few models are known. Opening bid price? Wait for it. 85,000 euros. That's close to $133,000 Australian. My time is up. With Rewind, I'm John Knox, VK4FJRK. This is VK1WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions www.wia.org.au On the social scene, the Gold Coast Amateur Radio Society Hamfest is on today. That's Sunday, November 21. Happens at the Country Paradise Parklands, 231 Bow Desert, Narang Road, Narang. VK3 and the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club will stage its Rosebud Radio Fest Sunday, Feb 13 at the Eastbourne Primary Schools Auditorium, Alabambi Avenue, Rosebud in Victoria. It's open to the public from 9.30 through until 1.30pm. Outdoor displays, full catering and entry tickets from 8am. Technical forums commence at 10.30 and a mystery major door prize will be drawn at 12pm sharp. Entry is $6 and under 12s are free. And tables can be booked online for $10 each on rosebudradiofest.com and all inquiries to mark VK3 PDG. And with that... We're closing down another edition of WIA National News. I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been the Wireless Institute of Australia with the weekly news service. This broadcast is in text, audio and video and is accessed on wia.org.au.